You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Pro- Program. Oh my God, it's been so long I haven't had to practice. I've been at the Women's World Cup volunteering, so I'm back after a little while. I can't remember how long. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us in the studio. Pete, Hugh, Jim and Rose over in the background. <laughs> Everyone, hello. Morning, how are you doing? Morning. <laughs> Morning, listeners. Doing well, doing well. We're here for two hours of everything football. You've got the World Football Program 107.9 FM. You can listen to the podcast via... Radio Fremantle's website or the World Football Program.com.au website. Yep. We've got a great lineup for you today, and I'm going to throw to the lads because I'm going to try and get one of our international guests on very shortly, but they'll give the thanks and uh, run through everything. Pete, I'm going to go to you. You are now the host for the next I, I am the host, two am minutes. I? All right, Hugh. What's been your thoughts of the Women's World Cup? Loved it. He said, passing it on. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I really did appreciate the, uh, the rest day yesterday because it's just been absolutely amazing. Um, the games here in Perth uh, were, were all well attended, which was great to see. Probably per capita the, the most attended yep. um, from some of the games. And like, even the, the last game, the, the Columbia game. Uh, oh, that was, I think that was the loudest one of and, all the ones I'd yeah. been to. Well, I'd, I'd been to them all in Perth, so... Well, that's right. And, and again, it was probably the, the only game that really wasn't um, cutthroat because Columbia, regardless of the result, were always going to go well, through. Yeah. So that had a little less of pressure, but like I said, the crowd was just bit, bit amazing. Of a, bit of a carnival atmosphere, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. That, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. was... Uh, uh, was it you, Pete, tell me? No, I don't think it was you, Pete. Uh, but... Uh, the, the Jamaican fans, when they rocked up with the drums, apparently the uh, the local constabulary brought out the uh, the dogs to go. Hey, what's in that drum? It's a world cup. What do you think is going to happen? You know, 
it's just bringing the atmosphere. So it was really, really nice to see those different um, nationalities bringing their own version of how to support. Because there's been a couple of times there where, uh, without uh, any disrespect, more than a few times where we've been to the glory, it's just been the same sterile chants from the same same people and you think oh, it's the sameness and sameness where these five feel personally attacked now no, as no, a no, regular no. shed goer I'm in the shed you know I'm, I'm on the right side of the shed you know that so I'm uh, guilty of that as well but just the, the differences like the Canadians when they when they came that that, that was sensational yeah yeah when, when they when you mean when the team turned up in the second half Yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When uh, they said, "Oh, look, we've got that uh, world's greatest striker on the bench. How about we bring her on?" <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just didn't like the rain in the first half of that game. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. let the rain stop and then we'll come out and play. You know, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, that's a good call. You know, <laughs> all the Irish shirts were very wet from the from the walls. Hasn't been gathered because, uh, yeah, boy, did it rain that night. And, yeah. Well, for anyone that did attend all the matches, or at least all both matches last week, how good was it? The Tuesday night, beautiful, clear yes. night. Wednesday night when there was no game, it was bucketing down and it was howling and I'm thinking, oh, tomorrow night's not going And then Thursday night comes around and we're clear again. So yeah, couldn't have planned you, that better. You and I, Pete, we were lucky enough. The only day that, uh, well, the match day that was uh, inclement weather, we were in the shed. We are in the shed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. Have you done the business? Oh, you're back. Uh, <laughs> like, to, like to say uh, thanks to our partners, Futsal <laughs> WA. Perth's premier futsal competition, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron and Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Thank you very much to our sponsors, and I'm sure you can find a link to them on our website. Yes, good one. We've got Pete Skeeler, Jim Webb and Hugh Best in the studio, besides myself, Penny Tannerhoth, back after a little bit of an absence volunteering in the World Cup. Of course, the Cup hasn't finished, just oh, my no. part here in Perth has, has done. I, I feel like it has, though, because it's been such a full-on experience volunteering here in Perth. Uh, Mr. Infantino was yes. at our last match, which was pretty amazing to be like in the stadium uh, with someone that respects the fact that the World Cup is happening here in Perth because we're like several countries away, I feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a pretty amazing experience and catching up on my sleep now. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. until the next games, anyway. But there's been a lot of long shifts. Do we do we take anything into what he said about? Oh, it's such a good tournament. Maybe you can host a men's one. No, <laughs> I think that's yeah. Or is that standard? Every country he goes yeah, to exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, there's some pretty significant games coming up in October and November. A few yeah. people still don't know about that, by the way. Olympic uh, qualifiers happening here in Perth. Kind of surprised how many people didn't know the Women's World Cup was on. Yeah. Like literally, while it was on, I I've spoken to people and said, "Hey, you going to the Women's World Cup?" And they're like. What? When? When is it? Yeah, you've got to be in the bubble, I feel. If yeah. you go outside yeah. of like about a five-kilometre radius from the stadium when there's no banners down the main city streets and um, something on a billboard, you, you might miss it. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But on the flip side, I've had people come up to me at work saying, oh, did you see the game last oh, night? And, yeah, true. And, and you sort of think, hang on a minute, what are you talking you know, Yeah. Talk to me when we play a wet Tuesday night away at Stoke or something like that. But no, but it's so nice. Even even people yeah. went to the games that had uh, the uh, work that no interest in, yes. in football yes. whatsoever. So that was good to see. Uh, that's and, yeah, been the experience as well. Yeah, that experience because you know the match day experience at the grounds. I thought was very good. Mm. Yeah, and hopefully yeah. that will persuade them to maybe go to another game and another game. Yeah, and and I was pleased that you know every game in Perth was a sellout. Yes. Um I was sort of thinking you know. Jamaica versus, um, you know, Panama. Yeah. You know. That was a great game. Yeah, well, oh, no, it was a great game, yeah. but it was like, 
I don't think Perth's got such a massive Jamaican or Panamanian community to, you know, sell the crowd out. But, um, no, every game, full. Well, that was it. I thought the same thing with the, the, the Denmark Haiti. People were going, like, who wants to go and see Haiti? Are you kidding? It's the World Cup. Oh, and, I mean, my, my feeling at that game as well, I'd said beforehand, oh, I'm going for Denmark in this one. But um, as the game went on, I was at that one with my sister. I said, it'd be nice to see Haiti get a goal. You know, honestly, don't really care who wins, but like to see and I feel like the whole stadium felt the same thing because especially as the game progressed into the second half any time Haiti even looked like scoring the whole crowd was roaring I'm sure there was a lot of Denmark fans roaring as well you know the Colombian the Colombian game was the best one I I thought oh it, it wasn't a totally full stadium in fact I don't know is it about the culture but it looked like it wasn't even going to be half full and then were we kick looking at came, the same stadium? And then, and then kickoff came, like within about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes before kickoff, and it's like it filled. Mm. And then it was mainly Colombians, and they roared. It was just amazing the passion and the vocals that they had. That was the best game in terms of crowd the, atmosphere. The sta- yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The, so the, you thought the stadium looked empty before kickoff. You can tell the person who doesn't drink and isn't familiar with queuing up at the bar waiting for a drink. Was <laughs> oh, that whistle, where you all were? Kickoff whistle. Okay. <laughs> there was more than a few bars uh, yeah. that, that opened up around there, so there's not a great deal of... Uh, um, venues around the stadium, but those that were open, and a lot of them opened up especially for that, were mm. packed. Yeah, yeah. I, I was um, just walking around doing my volunteer thing, and the Danish coach uh, Lars uh, can't pronounce his surname was there lining up in the queue for fast food. I'm like, hey Lars, how you going? <laughs> He was probably pretty chuffed, actually, like, that someone actually yeah. recognised him in that queue. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa, okay, cool. Yeah, I just thought he would have been in the VIP suite, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and how, was, how was your volunteering experience overall, though? Are you allowed to talk about it now? Or is there uh, a, a, absolutely, a yeah. Obligation? It was very highly systemised, very organised, and really well-resourced, like uh, 100 people for the one job kind of thing. So we started our shifts early. We finished our shifts well after everything. Mm. So there was like you know, eight, nine hours um, in a block, um, but there was lots of people to do the same thing. We all rotated through the jobs. We got to be with the players, the coaches, through the presses and the mix zones, um, meeting everybody at different times, being in places where all the VIPs were, got some great seats to watch the games because we were working up on the top of the stadiums at various times. We were out in the pissing down rain at times. Oh, um, uh, young lady. But uh, it, it was just altogether a really good experience. Like when you go on tour with something, like Kentucky or something, and you're so closely working with people for that period of time or, or with that those group of people, you become really good friends. And it, it was like that. It was like a, a family for the last few weeks of yep. organising and everything. It, uh, yeah, I think it's well worth the experience. And if there was another two weeks, I'd definitely be doing it despite the serious lack of sleep. <laughs> And so forth. And I think we're all on adrenaline too, just to get through it. Like, it's yeah. just that, you know, we're at a World Cup and it's here in Perth, and that's pretty cool. So, what about the games today? Who, what have we got there? I <laughs> see you guys have got your uh, the, the World Cup bracket. Do you know I, what? Do you, do you mind, guys, if we just have a little bit of. Uh, we've got to pick, a, uh, pick it out of the net, we've got to get to, and oh. then we've got our. Um, Blaine, uh, Blaine's coming in at uh, on at 10.25, so we're going to be a little bit organised about things. Now, Hugh, I'm going to need you to what? get a little bit closer to the mic. That's it. Now, anybody who can't hear us out there in um, audience land, please put a message on our Facebook page, the World Football Program, and Pete will be monitoring that, and uh, we'll just 
shift the lads around a little bit because we've got a full studio today and Hugh keeps turning his head to the side, but you need to talk into that microphone, young man. <laughs> that, that thing? Yeah, that thing there. Oh, is that what that's That's, it, that's the one. See, oh, then my okay. needle goes up here and bounces off the other side when you're talking into it. <laughs> okay. So have you gone through what's happening in the show today, anyone? No, no, we haven't. No, come on, amateurs. Damn amateurs. Because you were the organised one yeah. with the football West, yeah. uh, yeah. FIFA World Cup, we just turned up and Penny will sort it. Okay, sweet. So, <laughs> guess for day, we've got Jim Webb in the studio talking pick it out of the net. Then we've got Blaine Treadgold, the far post, having a chat to us about what's happening in the Perth Glory space, men and women. Pete's going to take us through a wrap of Football West competitions. The former patron of women's soccer and politician, Alana McTiernan, is going to be joining us, and she is over in Melbourne, I think, at the moment, enjoying a World Cup experience. Daniela Porcelli, who's an international photographer from Switzerland, caught up with her during my volunteer experience, and she travels with the team. So she was here in Perth, and now she's over east following the teams, and she travels all around the world doing photography and, yeah, enjoying women's football. So we'll have a chat to her about that. And Tom Samani, former Matildas coach, Team Canada, and I think he's still Western Sydney Wanderers into the coming A-League W season. We'll ask him. Yep, that's what we got him on for. Yeah. Yep. So lots of, lots of chat about, lots of guests. And uh, Jim, it's our new Pick It Out of the Net section, and I think we'll dedicate that to Sean because he titled that baby. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Sean. <laughs> yeah, well... When, 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 like, you know, I got the communication saying, oh, we're going to do this new section, you know, and I was going through <laughs> thinking, apart from the World Cup, what's actually happened? There are some other uh, things. Oh, come yeah, on, there yeah, are some other on. things. You, There's an, you, and then Friday turned yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We could go, oh, that's right, charity shield, championship starting. So <laughs> if we, we go locally or, or, or Hughie, do we go for the most important fixtures of, yeah, of today, who's who Mill got tonight? But we're we're going to we're away to Middlesbrough away, oh. and, 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 and how guys, about the baggies? Seriously, <laughs> this is a local no. community show. Come on, it's the World Football Program <laughs> and the English Championship and the Football League starts in England tonight. So <laughs> I'm ruining the fact that I asked him to do it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're playing this in the car park just yeah. before the show. But, uh, yeah. but no, in all seriousness, Friday because I'm around, and then I realised we had Australia Cup action last night. Yep, yep. The, the Women's World Cup. On social media, the amount of cl- what I was pleased with the amount of clubs that were showing the games mm, yeah. on their big screens, yeah. and clubs were having parties. They were having yeah, green nice. and gold fairy cakes, yeah, fan you know. watches, fan watches, and, yeah. and the clubs' houses that I saw the photos of have been busy, really yeah, busy. And you know, please share on our world Facebook page. That's the kind of stuff that we want to know about. Just mm. become a member, like the page, and lob it on there. Share and, it, and, and especially with some of the games that were kicking off like eight o'clock at night. Living down in the Peel region, I do, and the game I went to, I got home at half eleven yeah. on a school night. <laughs> you know, so the clubs that did have these parties, at least it was local to where people were home, so yeah. people were still watching the games where they could watch them. And yep. sometimes the, the the games on the big screens at some of these clubs were maybe not quite how they should have been. You know, because mm. they weren't on domestic channels. Yeah, but the games were seen and then games were watched. So I think. The, the, from what I saw, I, was, I thought it was brilliant. That, yep. that, and parties are still going on. I know. I know clubs have got parties Monday night for the for the Matildas game. Jim, Jim, it's okay to say that Channel Seven aren't playing all the games. It's no. okay. <laughs> right? It actually is. They they, they got uh, a good boot up the backside from the powers that be that said you are a host broadcaster. You need to be broadcasting mm. as a host. So mm. there is a lot more games. They've, they've got I think uh, three. Of uh, the I think from the quarterfinals onwards, they're broadcasting four, so. everything. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, there's one semi they're not, so they're, oh, they're following okay. the Matildas uh, yeah. path, 
but yeah, they they were told uh, this is good enough. Do you, have you guys ever heard of Bill and Ben the Flowerpot Men? <laughs> <laughs> you don't, <it's> <laughs> Don't start me. Do, do, do not start us. You want, if you want a half hour of Bill and Ben, you've got the two guys yeah. here. He's in for lobber lobber. Okay, back to we, the room. We're never, never, never heard of again, are we? I feel like I'm too young for this conversation. <laughs> Gee whiz. Squeezed up well, in the smallest space over there. And what, it's what Bob else the Builder on acid, I would have thought. <laughs> settle, settle. Jim, what else is happening out there in, in locally in social areas? So, so locally, one one thing that uh, hit the headlines uh, on the social media yesterday, and this, this is quite a serious mm. subject now, uh, what's going on at Morley Windmills? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we want to touch that? Do we want to? I mean, I think we do, because I want to know what's going on. Yeah. I, I saw I saw the Facebook post. Let, 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 let's be very, very careful what we say yeah. here, yep. because this is a public forum and it can put us into some serious hot water. I, yep. I spoke with Sean Kelly about this issue last week when we were on the show. We, we went past it. We had a very, very good uh, in-depth discussion in the car park, and let's be very careful what we say. Yep. Okay, t- uh, tell it like it is, the truth, well, what we know. I, I will only go on what the... Is in the public forum. In the public forum, yep. and what was posted on social media oh. yesterday, that uh, the then coach of Morley Wimbles and has basically resigned and... Followed all, and all the players are followed. I think, yeah, I think that's yeah. how I read it. And uh, for a team that's pushing for promotion into State League Division One, um, there's something not right there. And and it's it's not the first time this year that that Morley Wimbles have been you know on on social media about what's been going on at the club. And hmm. yeah, I'm not sure how what's. Does anybody actually know what's been going well, on? But again, the, 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 there's a unique issue at, at Morley that. Um, there are two separate clubs. You've got the, the Dutch club and the football club. Uh, so you have two different entities mm. um, in the same space. So you, when you have two different entities looking and, and trying to control the same space, you always are going to get some sort of conflict because one entity would want to do one thing and the other entity would say, well, that's not really part of our strategic plan. Do you know I disagree with that? I mean, think of Ashfield Sports Club. They've got football yeah, club, darts club, whatever. Yeah. Do you think they're harmonious? Yes, they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's possible. Right? It, it is but possible. If, but if they all have the same strategic vision... Or the same overriding committee that manages yes. everything. Yeah, so it's, uh, that's the point I'm making. So when if you, you have one or two that have a polar opposite thought process... That's when conflict's going to arise. Okay, so Jim. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be interesting today what happens because they're playing uh, Canning City, who are bottom of the yep. table, that yep. desperately need points to avoid the relegation exactly. to the amateur league. If Morley haven't got any players, <laughs> what, what what happens? You know, yeah. and then looking at the league table, they're um, yep. yeah, and if they get the three points, they would they, get off they the would bottom. Get off, yeah, providing Belga yep. don't get points, and that so. puts them out of the uh, automatic relegation yeah. and into the playoff situation. So it's ramifications not only at the club but for other clubs as well. Exactly. With, with what's going on um, there, so interesting times, I think, and I'm sure over the next few weeks it'll all come out hmm. in the wash. Yep. Now, do oh, I'm a question without notice? Have Football West um, standing penalties for forfeiture? Particularly at the uh, at the senior level. I mean, I know there's been cases where there's been postponements or forfeits mm. at at, a, at the lower, you know, the under 23s, the under 18s. Forfeits to track fines and penalties. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But mm. what is the penalty? Is the penalty? Um, I don't know. Okay. Mm. Well, maybe so to look for. and and a, a repeat of that in the same season would would be what double the penalty or is it a significant increase? Gee, I wouldn't have thought the club would repeat 
offend in the same way. Well, if they've got no players and got no coach, they've got no, well, yeah, a- but, apparently no, Yeah, but no, they'd have a reserve team, right, that will be promoted. I've seen uh, and... It doesn't matter what quality they back, are, that's, back in the bad that's old a days pathway. When I was refereeing, there were cl- clubs that would say, yes, we do have a reserve team, they're not playing against these men because they're going to get lumps kicked out of them, therefore we will not be... They postponed the game. It yeah. wasn't actually their forfeit, but yeah, they, the, they went. Yeah, see the path, the pathway thing. This is you're going to get me going here, right? Go. So, and you know, this is something I wanted to bring up with Blaine about NPL football, and I talked to some other people about it. If you look across men's and women's football, we've got NPL and we've got different tiers of football. So to have sustainability, you've got to have those underlining yeah. levels of football, yep. and they've got to be prepared and ready. The club has got to manage that so that the mindset is and the pathways and development is that those players and teams, players, will be moving up. So eventually they're trained and coached and you have the numbers and quality that they'll be moving up. So if something like this happens, oh. yes, it might be a shock to the system, but you've been preparing for it because your whole club system has an infrastructure that moves up. Uh, just out of interest, if they've given one day's notice, at least one day's notice, it's a $200 fine. Uh, without any notice, it's a $400 fine. Uh, if they forfeit three in a row or any four matches, then they can be deemed to have withdrawn from the com- competition entirely. Ooh, and there's only four games left of the season, including today. Yeah. So, mm. Thanks for that, Pete. Yeah. Mm. Should we get on to the playing side of things? Yes, yeah. please. So I'll go back up now to State League Division 1. Um, Two-horse race <laughs> for the title, for the promotion to the NBL, <clears throat> with yeah. Manchester City just holding a slight advantage over Western Knights. Um with, as I just said, four games of the season left to go. Uh, there's two points in it. Yep. So it really is down to whoever wins four games. And I say that because on the penultimate game of the season, it's Western Knights versus yeah. Manchester City <laughs> yeah. at Nashfield, yeah. uh, which uh, should be match of the day, That's, regardless yeah. of who else is playing in exactly. any other division. That yep. That'll so, be all the marbles. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Um, it should be an entertaining game. Um, what what else is happening out there? You're stealing all of Pete's thunder with all the competition, <laughs> which he probably has no problem at all with. No, well, I was just thinking I'm just going to uh, um and ah for 10 minutes <laughs> between 10, 10 50 and 11 o'clock. But you've got some hot topical yeah. issues. Go on, last Jim. night, Sheffield Wednesday 1, Southampton 2, oh Southampton top of the Lord. table. Oh. <laughs> Jim, just Should we just side you going? Side bump <laughs> Is that Bill or Ben? Shay Adams scores again. Yeah, so he's doing really well to go back to the division he didn't want to play in the first place. <laughs> What's what's happening in the local space, Jim? Just uh, go on, just side bumps. <laughs> well, so down down in my part of the world, so the good old Pill region, which doesn't really uh, you know attract much attention mm. because it's that it's that nowhere's man because it's not in the southwest region, but it's not in the Perth metro region. It's a nice place it's, to drive through when you're heading down south. Exactly, yeah. and that's pretty much what most people do these yeah. days. Now the freeways are fully open. <laughs> so, um, but I think what's happened down there is that the uh, Peel Junior Soccer Association, who play on their Saturday mornings and Friday nights, they're um, they're getting ready for their biggest week of the year, which is the Country Week, happens mm-hmm. at the end of September, and it's it's a fantastic. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Country Week, but yeah, I've, I've refereed yep. there more than a few times. Yeah. It's great fun. It's great, and you see the kids that have come all over the state yeah. to come down to to watch the game, play the games, and they make a good week of it. You know, yep. it's their yearly yearly trip away, yep. a holiday, mums, dads come down, and hotels, hostels, Airbnb, they're all fully fully booked, whereas the Pill region, oh, we'll commute up every day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. And I always thought they had a, um, uh, a slight advantage, but the results didn't actually indicate that uh, in, in most of the d- divisions. Well, I mean, I was refereeing the soccer, but you'd get teams from Newman who you wouldn't recognise at all, and they'd come down and actually 
be very, very skillful. Mm. And, and, and sides, you know, from traditional um, hubs like Bunbury, Albany, um, and, and the Pill region, are going, oh, crikey, these, these guys are good. Mm. But, but those, uh, those areas up in the Pilbara as well, they're obviously, you know, it's what they do yep. as well. And the way... The way that they do, they bring every team, every age group's got a yep, thing. That's the, right. The Peel region actually, believe it or not, struggles to get teams in every year group. Yeah. How, how, how amazing. And, and I, I think that's down to the fact that all the other regions stay for the week. Yep. Yeah. Whereas yep. the Peel yep. teams, they commute. It, well, it's just another tournament, so to speak. Where it's, not, it's not your big holiday. Th- yeah. That's right. Yeah. Where, where's it being hosted? I, I know Coburn's hosted it in the past. Yeah, no, it was up at... Uh, Yokine. Yokine Reserve, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Was, yeah, and it's massive. Yeah. And it's every time it's been at Yokine the last two, three years now, mm-hmm. it's rained. <laughs> it was always nice at Coburn, but it's yeah. south of the river, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, of course. It's, it's all pina coladas down our way. Yeah, like you said, the, the Pilbara region uh, players, uh, like playing in the rain is a unique situation for them. So they're, they're, they're loving it. Whereas it, the rest of us, you know, me as a referee and the, the players from, from local areas are going, it's raining, I don't want to play. And they're just running around going, it's raining, you building. And I just wonder how often there is, though, that, that coaches go and watch this country week and seize the talent that there is out there. And mm. I know it's a long way for someone in the Pilbara or Esperance to come and play football in Perth. But if they're good enough yep. and the talent's there, then let's get them up and play in, in the best competition. I, I guess the obvious name that to my head would be Tash Rigby, yes. who came from uh, Margaret River. I'm mm. sure there's others that I don't know of off the top of my head. but mm. you know, Hannah, Hannah Lowry is another one that comes okay. from, from down that region as well. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's a few, but... When I again with, with my experience, I didn't see too many uh, recognisable coaches when I was uh, in, mm. at Country Week, which was, eh, you know, maybe they were there. I don't know. I, I think that the coaches have all now got some kind of qualifications behind them, rather than just be a mum or a, a dad, scout, possibly. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is uh, which is good. Um, I know the Peel teams, the the what happened in the past when you said that they were very competitive, it was literally a dad and. His boys' yeah. team yeah. used to turn up, yeah. not necessarily the best. Right. The last two or three years, the Peel Region have actually gone out to have trials for Country Week and Good. had an independent coach specifically for the Country Week too. And, and that would also include uh, a commitment for the whole week, yes? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and the under-11s, I think, have won their competition two years running since that's happened. Well, that's, again, as you say, Jim, you get the organisation, you get the commitment, you get some support structure, success will follow. It may not follow immediately, but it will follow. Yeah. Okay. Guys, are we good to go to a break? No, okay, we can talk go. all day, Ben. You know that. <coughs> <coughs> okay. Go for a break, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the World Football Program with Pen, Pete, Hugh, and Jim in the studio. That's almost a verse of a song. This is the World Football Program. Back very shortly with more football. 107.9 FM, your local station. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsal.com futsalwa.org.au Gate and Fence Hardware WA your one stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security 
We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Tine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Going Welcome back to the World Football Program. The whole team is in the studio. Penn, Pete, Hugh and Jim. And on the line we've got Blaine Treadgold. Good morning, Blaine. How are you? Morning, guys. Sounds like a fair bit of fun in there today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Penn, Penn doesn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Carnival. Carnival's happening. World Cup right here. We've been talking about just about everything, mate. There's not really a lot more that you can say. Uh, thanks for the interview. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> No, we haven't captured Perth Glory and what's been happening this week. Uh, appointment of the Perth Glory coach is probably number yes. one in everyone's minds. Comments on that one, Blaine? Yeah, no, I think it's a positive. Um, the fair bit of unknown around the club at, at the moment, I think um, probably externally, but I reckon there's a little bit internally just what the future might, might look like. But I think all in all, uh, Alan Stadjic, uh, very well known, um, locally known, um, and I think he said all the right things that the fans wanted to hear when it was all announced yesterday. Yeah, 100%. He pretty much yeah. said if you're not here to further yourselves, your career and the club, then nick off. Um, I think that's pretty much what we all want to hear, really, from a coach, that we want players that are dedicated to the cause. Uh, 100%. Um, yeah, unfo- unfortunately, there's been a little bit of a, a lack of culture Within the club, I think it's been quite widely known. I think many have been critical about that. And um, well, it, it's exciting what the future might hold. Now, I think we've certainly got to look at it at a glass full, as as much as it might be a little bit unknown. I think it's a, it's a real chance to get uh, get Perth glory back to where we all want to see it. Do you know what you're saying? Right there is like a quote unquote of what we say every, every year. bleeding year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It does, it, it does, though, feel like, I mean, obviously the end of an era with Tony Sage, um, you know, handing the licence back, um, uh, you know, we, we always talk about how the the structure and the, the way that the club is run, particularly under a franchise system, needs to start with the owner and, uh, you know, that started to get a little bit long in the tooth with, with many people. So, mm. yeah, um, I think this is, you know, um, as far as we say it every year, um, I think there's some real concrete changes uh it feels like there's some real concrete changes happening uh for the future now yeah i think we all know that things need to change it one of the things that kind of struck me is being at the world cup in the perth rectangular stadium this week and it'll go back to being hbf uh after tomorrow really when all the banners and signage comes down which is coming down pretty damn fast actually it's a mouthful saying Perth Rectangular Stadium, by the way. HBF <laughs> <laughs> Park works. Um, so we've been filling stadiums. Players, people have been coming to the World Cup. So hopefully that's good for when the Matildas play in October and November. Uh, the government knows that we're going to fill the stadium. But will that translate into an A-League season? 
Perth Glory play at HBF Park. Um, I'm a little bit worried about that. I mean, even if we get a, an amazing team on the park, the cost to run it going forward are incredible. We played a stadium we haven't filled for, I don't know how long. Can anyone remember the last time we put... To be, to be fair, we had 17,000 for Daniel Sturridge's first game. Oh, my God. So that was, like, that was a one-off, but we did actually fill it. <laughs> the, last, the last time it was filled was probably the Adelaide semi-final yep. game, yep. wasn't it? Where yeah. it... How far back are you talking? Oh, that was know, that, right? that was when four the glory made the grand final, grand final that season. Yeah, so, so. Like four years ago, yeah, that's a long time Pre-COVID. since money filled the coffers. I mean, phew, it's a tough gig, Blaine. It is, and it's. Uh, I think this is the golden bullet, isn't it? Really, to try and get these these crowds to translate into the local game, and whether it is out of the World Cup. I mean, we see fantastic crowds for when Liverpool and you know Manchester United come, and of course, all the Premier League teams, and we always go. Where are these people throughout the season? What are these people up to? So it's really about translating that into the local game. And that's got to come with connection. And I think that's one thing that A-League clubs have really struggled with is to really embed themselves in the local football communities. It's something that I think once they do get sorted, um, yeah, we're up and away. But how to get to that point, uh, that's the million-dollar question. And you said it, a lack of culture. And I'm pretty sure that's what... Simon Hill says every time he comes on this show that how do we translate whatever it is we're doing out there to get the Festival of Football filling up to stadiums and so forth and not going to the game week to week? I don't know the answer. I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, I've been quite critical of, of the whole franchise system. Um, we, we see it in American sports and it's a little bit lift and shift. Um, you know, once you're... you're your team starts to not go quite so well. They they pick it up and they they'll move it to another city. And it's almost a little bit, not to that extent, of course, of what we see in the A League. But I mean, I'd really like to see some more uh, public investment, public ownership, and that way you really kind of get people not only emotionally invested, but you get them, you know, investing money into mm. the local uh, local game as well. So I mean, I'd really like to see a portion of A League clubs become publicly owned in some capacity. I'm a big fan of the German system where it's got to be 51% owned. I'm not sure we'll ever get to that point, but that's how you get your your towns and your cities involved in in your local football team is that that, that pure pure investment. Yeah, 51%. how, How do they do that? Like, I'd like to know more about how that system is set up and how it endures over time. Like, what does that mean that the the fans somehow pay a a large membership fee and that's what contributes yeah, I, to the resourcing? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so that the, the engagement club, historically, and Blaine will probably know a little bit better than that, that um, the clubs were, were owned by major companies. Wolfsburg yeah. were, were yeah. owned by Volkswagen yeah. and, and still have that. So buying uh, Leverkusen, you know, the hint's in the name, the, yeah. the buying company. But uh, rather than having them control it, th- those companies went, we've got this entertainment for you. The workers. So we want you, the workers, to be in control of it while we fund it. So yeah, there's there's a premium that the, the fans pay, but ultimately that the club can't be taken away. Like uh, Jim and I will know from um, from the championship and and even in the premiership that um, you get an owner that is a paper tiger, so no actual cash, but in the bank there's you know bulk. West Brom are a keen example of that. We've been selling players left, right, and centre because our owner. Just bought the club as an investment to make money. Well, mm. when nobody came to buy it from him, he's now going, well, I'll have to take that money back wherever I can. And we're in dire straits financially because of the 100% ownership model that exists elsewhere. But the Germans, you, you rarely see 
any club, whatever division, be in any sort of financial situation because the fans are in control of it. They, they know what's going 51% on. 51% fans. Mm. Mm. So they have the say. And it's like, oh, well, we'll buy, you know, Erlen Harlan for bucket loads. We don't have that money. No, we're not. So as much as they would like to, the, the fans go, we can't afford that, so therefore you can't do that. They, they, do they do something like go to the fans at some point and say, we want to capture these players or we need money for this, and then it goes to the fans and the well, fans... Well, the do... fans are on the board. But, I mean, do they ever... Are they asked to contribute? Financially, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the, but the ticket prices then wind up being very low as well. So exactly. it's not a case of you're paying a fortune for your tickets. It's a, a paying a fortune, I assume, for, for the membership. It's um sorry I've got the got the details up here so it's, it's actually a fifty plus one rule so it's not fifty one percent it's fifty yeah. percent plus one more vote yeah. goes to the fans right that's just the math nerd and me coming out really interesting yeah. sorry to digress there Blaine but no that's okay because I mean that that's something that is quite interesting and I'm quite big on on terminology that we use and we talk about members yeah, yeah. Um, and it's actually no one's actually a member of an A League club they're just a, t- a, a ticket holder essentially yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is something I think that needs a little bit more attention is if you were to ask most Glory fans or Melbourne Victory fans or anyone like that who actually runs their club and who's on their board and whether you have a say in who runs your, your football club uh, no one actually would know um, the, the structure of that so I mean I'd like to see a little bit more transparency in that and uh, you know and that goes towards the governance and people might say oh well people really care they just want to get along and follow their team well if you have a bit of a say on who runs your football club when it's not traveling so well i reckon people would care oh, yeah yeah. Mm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah that that culture thing isn't it engaging and connecting connecting between the management the club the profile that they have the branding the yep. players you know that's it's all a connection that if you know it then you want to be part of it i i keep going back to perth glory in the early days and i remember jamie harmel was playing and there was one year that the team came out, and Scotty Miller and, and Avon and so forth, one year they came out and they looked like um, thoroughbreds. And we all knew, we all filled the stadium and we all went there. This is before HBF Park was done up, I think, mm-hmm. right back. It's been done up a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah okay, it has indeed, but it was a, a bit smaller. And, and I think we all knew all the players in that team. Like we all knew they were they were from, not all of them, but there was, you know, the Scotty Millers and so forth, we we knew them from the local leagues, and I personally, I went because I knew all the players, and um, I had that connection there. So I wanted to go to the games. I wanted to see the guys do well. But now we have players from the Perth Glory Academy, so to speak, or you know, their uh, underpinning foundations come through, and then we buy in other players. The whole system is different, so that the culture is different. So I. I don't know. It's definitely changed over time. Dare I say it, uh, and dare I mention a certain other football code, but it actually reminds me of when the West Coast Eagles first came into the the VFL as it was back then. Same thing. They were very much a Western Australian state team, which helped a lot of people get on board with them. Yeah. 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 And kill off the local league as well. Well, yeah. Yeah, So, Blaine, uh, tell us what's happening in terms of player movement. What should we be knowing about? Yeah, well, obviously the big ones I think that people will be a little bit disappointed about would be Ryan Williams and how he's managed to uh, head over to India and does a bit of a laughing joke about things that uh, the Indian uh, League is is becoming to the A-League what Saudi Arabia is to the Premier League at the moment. It's these guys that's that's just chasing cash to a certain point. And don't get me wrong, I can't begrudge these guys for, well, you know, a couple of them are coming to the end of their careers and if that means that they could set up their family a little bit better, I can't begrudge that. 
but um, yeah, you'd really like to see just uh, you know a, a little bit more for for the club, and um, we get a little bit. Obviously, we we get to this point that we talk about you know mutual termination windows and things like that, and we've put so much hard work into some of these guys, and to see them go uh, for free, um, that just becomes a bit disappointing as well. I think. I have a little bit of a problem with what you just said there, young man. Ooh, you said ooh, um, ooh, said, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said setting up their families for the rest of their lives. Do you not think along the way they've already done that? Well, I mean, Penny, if you've spent the majority of your time in the A-League, um, the, the wages aren't all that... Aren't all that great. Um, we need to be purely honest about that. Um, well, in, in in comparative terms with the with, with some other professions or even even some other leagues. So, if you were to get offered um, a big uh, a big gig over in um, you know the Middle East or, or India uh, for the last couple of years of your career, um, I think majority of, of players within the A League would take it. Do you yeah. think there's? Sorry, in my head, I leapt to. Um, the Messies and Mbappes mm. and stuff like that, and going to oh yeah, so yeah. they would be yeah. set up yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Oh, yeah. But I don't think yeah. average. Yeah. I don't think Ryan Williams is on the same salary as Mbappe. And, and are there <laughs> many Australian players getting asked to go into those kind of leagues? Go and throw some up. Go on, Ryan Williams. Oh well, we've we've just seen Ryan Williams. Mimi. Jordan Elsie's been over. Uh, David Williams has been over there. Um, there's been numerous place, uh, players that have gone over to, to Saudi Arabia and, and India and even some Socceroos. Uh, yeah. uh, we've seen some Socceroos uh, jump out of Europe and head over to the Middle East. So um, th- there's quite a few doing it. At the, at the top end, I mean, this is a bit of a phenomenon, what's happening with Saudi Arabian football at the moment and how long that lasts, we're not really sure. Uh, we saw the similar kind of patterns with China. Uh, that didn't work out for them. The China Chinese leagues are absolutely uh, broken on its knees at the moment. So, yeah, Mm. absolutely right. Mm. I I think the difference there is Saudi Arabia's got a lot more money, lot lot, lot in capitals. Endless. Yeah, than Mm. than China had. Like, we we sort of thought China was going to be the next huge economy. Now, things are shrinking a bit, you know, uh, there. Whereas I think Saudi Arabia, they could literally afford to burn money for, you know, the next century and they've still got the money to pay for everything. Yeah, and just just with some of these guys like Ryan Williams or, or Jordan Elsie that's done it more more recently, we've got to understand is there's a fair bit of turmoil around the club when they were making these decisions. Mm. What the future does look like? We've told been told that uh, players hadn't received wages, they hadn't mm. received superannuation. So, look, if you're likely to get a pay rise and a little bit more certainty for the next couple of years, as yeah. I said, I can't begrudge these guys for taking it in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, so I I wasn't actually thinking of the A League. Uh, I was just like I said, I leapt to my head of some of these amazing <laughs> players and how they're going to leagues that are still building. And maybe for them, it's about money. Maybe it's about helping build them. I, mean, I like the fact that Messi's gone to the MLS because yes. that's about building football in a nation that has many other sports that are maybe football or soccer. I think I call over there is <laughs> not the not the same profile and that. He, he going there might help build the profile and build the sport and who knows where the USA might be because of you know actions like that in the future. Yeah. No, he will because it's a different, um, having spoken about the German model, it's a different model over there as well. It's a franchise model. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all the money generated by Messi going there goes to all the clubs. Yes. So they all benefit, which is why I like when, that. when they had that option where Inter Miami said we'd want you know, these superstar players coming in and the rest of the league were going, oh, crikey, they're going to win everything. But we will get money and, yeah. and a significant amount of money yeah. so that we can then develop our juniors and the whole league 
as well as the game uh, profile rises as well, which is sadly lacking here in Australia, where yeah. you, you have an owner who goes, well, not mentioning any names, I've, I've had enough of sinking money into this club, that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the league, league suffers because of that, whereas a, a franchise model, which we, we could have gone to... What, we've, what you've just identified is that there's different systems in different countries yep. and they work. Yep. Different yep. systems yep. and they still work. Yep. What's our system? We haven't got one. That's right. It's by licence, isn't it? Oh, I, right. thought, I thought yeah, it's it closer yeah. to the franchise model than anything else. It's Well, they're trying to make it that way, yes. Yeah. It, it appears on the surface that, that is the thought process, but then you're going to have clubs such as, you know, dare I say it, the, the, the big blue teams who go, well, we make the most money, therefore we want the most money. Mm. Uh, well, that's not how a franchise system works. So yeah. you, your weaker side should be getting the same support as your stronger side. But I doubt we'll ever see that in, in Australian sport yeah. of any type. Um, you know, even the ice hockey uh, don't have that that system either. Is that, is that amortising? That the phrase for that? It is indeed. Well done, Pen. Yeah. Uh, amortising is a little bit different than that. And we've got um, Pete over here, who, who, whose eyebrows raised immediately when you heard the phrase amortising. Yeah, it's because a word I'd come across before. No, no but, so so with the Declan Rice transfer, amortising means you don't pay 105 million up front. You yep. you deduct oh, as yeah. you go along for the length of the contract. But yeah, similar, but not quite. We used to do that when there was open championships for women's football before the national leagues came in, and there was states like Tasmania, Northern Territory, West Australia, uh, who the, the furthest away. Mm. So when we used to travel. They used to amortise travel costs, so it used to go into a pool and then everyone used to pay the same travel yeah. cost so that okay. we could all get yeah. there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, similar to that, yes. Yeah. Does anyone actually fear that there won't be a Perth Glory next season or this no. season coming? No. Blaine, you feel free to jump in any time. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to have a listen there. Uh, just as far as... No, I think, I think we're in a pretty good place. I mean, um, I spoke to Danny Townsend a few weeks ago now and he said, look, it's business as usual. Mm. We're, we're there willing to, to keep the, the club alive as far as we... Um, you know, as long as we, we, we need it and as long as they... Uh, while this ownership uh, um, situation gets sorted. So um, it's business as usual. What that looks like, obviously, it'll be, it'll be run on the smell of an oily rag and we've yeah. been through that before when <laughs> yeah. we're run by the, uh, the FA. But... Um, yeah, no. As far as uh, as far as Perth Glory going under as a, as an entity or a, as a name, um, no, I think I'm, I don't really have any concerns about that. Where does all the money come from? It worries me when you say they'll keep the club alive and business as usual for as long as it takes. Where does that money coming from? Well, as you spoke about, there it is into a, a pool. Uh, the APL we've got to remember is a conglomerate of the uh, of the A League uh, clubs. So. Um, I guess it's all into a little bit of a pool, and we saw what's happening up there at the Newcastle Jets, where that's actually being funded by three other clubs. Yep. What's happening up there at the moment? So, um, yeah, I imagine there's some kind of internal arrangement, or even some kind of, you know, as you suggest, a almost a socialist type system that the uh, that the uh, the next, uh, I guess the, the the teams that need it do just get that little bit more funding and resources. Yeah, and we've got to say that Tony Sage, God bless him, he he didn't take this decision lightly, and he knew having made that decision, that the Perth Glory's immediate future wasn't going to be jeopardised. Yep. Let's talk about... Oh. Sorry, Blaine, go on. No, no, that's no, OK. Yeah, no, carry on. I was going to say, we need to talk about the Perth Glory women because they actually start their league over the summer and as well. And there's been plenty of uh, updates on Facebook. They've been signing players. So, yep. you know, despite the whole thing about glory and receivership, I'm still getting these updates. We've signed X and X and yes. X, you know. But I think we've got 16 players re-signed yeah. already. 
I, I have no idea how many of the guys have signed or re-signed. I haven't seen any anything ideas with on regards that, to the no, it's a little bit unknown at the moment what that does look like. I think, as I said, because Alan Stadridge has now come in, there's probably a little bit more certainty. Yeah. Um, the the word that I'm hearing is many of the players are pretty happy about his uh, his signing, so there's a good uh, good feeling around that. Uh, but no, as far as the women go, uh, yeah, I've been very impressed with the proactivity happening there, and it, it'll look like a pretty similar type of side to what we've seen, but I think what's really exciting is we're getting some young WA talent come through, um, uh, Grace Johnston, um, uh, Cassidy, and uh, young Tanika Lala, who's co- all come through the NTC system. So I think that's really promising. And I think that's going back to your point about having these WA players come through where you create those community connections. I think that's really good as well. Any comments from the floor, boys? No, I had something and now I've forgotten what it was. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was I thought I just had Blade for you and now it's gone. It was somebody's <laughs> birthday, wasn't it, Pete? Oh, it was Morgan Aquino's birthday yesterday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Morgan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we pretty much covered everything that we wanted to, to cover. We've got a, a little bit of uncertainty, but uh, at least the coach is you know, going to do the biz now. He's finished with the World Cup. He's you know, able to concentrate on Perth glory, and I'm guessing the next uh, few weeks, because we've got just a couple of months before the season is hmm. due to start, we've got to be pretty proactive in getting a squad together and letting the fans know so they can get on board and get their bums on seats. I I guess one of the things is, um, you know, people are often critical of the franchise model that is used in Australia, myself included. Um, But as Glory fans in this position right now, we should be very grateful for it because otherwise the Glory could literally just tumble out of existence. Um, But because of the way the APL is set up um, and the A-League is set up, for marketing purposes, they want a team in Perth, um, as well as the other states. You know, we're we're you know, it might not be the most valid footballing reason, but uh, for terms of metrics and advertising, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they want Perth representation in the league. Um, so that just, can be a saving grace. Just a quick one on that. I mean, Pete, I know that you're a, you're a passionate member and you get your membership. And we see you quite often at the games. I mean. Would you be willing to stump up $1,000 per year if that meant that you got a share in the Perth glory? Oh, I'd need to talk to the missus about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. It would depend exactly the criteria of it, um, yeah, you know, what, yeah. what, what sort of involvement you had. Uh, I had. But, um, yeah, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I guess that would be where the, where the fans could have a, a portion, uh, an ownership portion of it and then a decent sta- say in what happens. Yeah. At, at board level as well. That would be the, the only way that I could see that it could happen um, and the rest would come from private investment. Yep. Uh, Zane, I did, uh, sorry, Blaine, I did want to ask you something before we let you go. Um, yes. NPL and how the Perth Glory is sitting in the league at the moment, um, the rules are they can be relegated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? Uh, well, hey, uh, if they get relegated, they get relegated. I'm a huge fan of promotion and relegation. Yeah. I believe in a in a uh, legitimate football system, and if you're not performing, you're not performing, and if you deserve to get relegated, that's just the way it is. I think we get a little bit, um, uh, a little bit, you know, uh, Stuart Little about the whole thing um, <laughs> because. Uh, over East, uh, majority of the A-League uh, affiliated MPL teams um, aren't actually in the top divisions. Many of them are in the state leagues or MPL too. So um, this is, yeah, it's nothing new. But I guess uh, in a, in a one-horse town like like we see in Perth, that uh, that maybe uh, it might be something new. But um, 
Yeah, uh, it was quite interesting. The team that they, they put out last week too and quite a little bit of criticism surrounding that. Um, but it was all within it was all within the rules. So, um, yeah, they'll be doing their best to survive. Yeah, pull yep. it all out. Yep. Uh, totally within the rules. It doesn't necessarily mean it's ethical. At the, you know, <laughs> Is it within the, the spirit of the game? Yeah, yeah. well, that, that, that's it, within the spirit of the game. The other well, parts, the argument would be not getting relegated would be within <laughs> the spirit of the game. 100%. Yep. And you can bet your bum that everybody in the club knows that this this is what we're able to do yep. this is why we have underpinning leagues and it goes back to my pathway of that's why you survive and if you can't field a first team for whatever reason the second team jumps in there and does the job mm-hmm. that's why you have a club and all these structures my, my second part of my question was NPL in men and women if you look across the NPL men I think there's um, three clubs uh, including Perth Red Star, Perth Soccer Club and Balcatta that are in the men that are in the women's NPL. Uh, otherwise, it's a little bit different. So women's have Mum FC, Subiaco, Curtin University and they have State League men's. Yes. What's your comments on that, Blaine? Um, I, as I said, I, I believe in a pretty pretty much a free market there, Penny. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it in, in the UK that you might have your... Your top, uh, your top divisions um, having a, a women's team and then their men's team might be in third in the third division in the second division. I've got no problem with it if it's all part of one club. And, uh, yeah, if uh, if you're not performing, uh, you probably don't deserve to be in the league that you're in. And, he, and here's the other part, right? There are some clubs that don't have any women's teams. So still in Macedonia, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, another one. Armadale don't, don't have any in the top I'm, tiers. I think Armadale's oh, gone. Armadale got stuck. Yeah. Division 1. Okay. State League. Flora, State League, yeah. Flory yeah. Athena, Inglewood United. So just, uh, I don't know, just thinking about the development of the club and provision of top-end women as well as top-end men. I think it'll form naturally along the way. I don't think it should be mandated. artificially mandated, there's a good word, um, that, that a club in the NPL men's has to have a women's side, uh, just like uh, a club in the NPL women's. Doesn't was there one of the women's team that doesn't think, have a men's? Or am I imagining that? Like the old. I think rep- you've hit the nail on the head there. It needs to. It definitely needs to happen organically. We only need to have a look at the MPLWA and see what's happening with Curtin University at the moment. Yeah. Um, and how that's been a little bit forced. And um, I'm not too sure, guys. Do they have a, a relegation system at this year? Because I think it's going to be well worth everyone's while yes. if mm. Curtin University does go back to that second division. Yes. Because. Um, it's no good for them to copper, uh, you know, fifteen nil hidings every week, and it's no good for the competition. Yeah, I think it's Hammersley sitting on top of the ha- next yeah. league down. I, I know, I yeah. know that the clubs have been asked to submit oh. a almost expression of interest to join the women's NPL yep. next year. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Hammersley will probably win that league and deserve to go up. Yep. Do Hammersley? Wants to go that's up. That's the question. And do they have the underpinning uh, do, structures? That's right. Yeah. And yep, then if they don't, does so it go forth. down to the second place? Then how far down do you go before you go? Actually, there will be none because it becomes a little bit silly that you finish six yep. but mm. still go up. Well, yep. we haven't seen anything as, as ridiculous as that, but we have Not seen yet. that in the men's where yep. the top team went no thank you, the second team went no thank you, the third team went you beauty. So we, mm. we have seen that. Hopefully it doesn't get to that uh, that stage in the women. And, and I've just been looking at the Women's Super League for this coming season in the UK. Yep. Bristol City are a championship team, but they're in that Super League. Leicester City, who got relegated from the Premier League last season into the championship, are in that. The remaining 10 teams are all premiership teams, men <laughs> and women. Except for Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lane, thanks so much for joining us this morning and uh, listening to us chat. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries, guys. Always a pleasure. And, uh, hey, Penny, uh, thanks for all your hard work throughout the, the World Cup and uh, the rest of the volunteers. It was uh, it was certainly noticed. And if we can take some of that vibe into the Perth Glory season down there at HPF, uh, I think we're doing, uh, doing pretty well. Good on you, Blaine. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy your soccer and football weekend. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Blaine. Ta-da. Sorry, that was the West Brom in me. That Villa? <laughs> no, no. Come on. It could be worse. could be Wolves. So um, what's guys, going on with the um, guys, City Lionesses You then? just hang on one sec. Uh, it's time to go to a break. Okay. Women's football. Go to the break, Penny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you knew if you said women's football, she'd postpone the break, yeah, didn't no. you? <laughs> we'll be back shortly. This is the World Football Programme with the team in the studio. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsal.com futsalwa.org.au We're back. We're back. And Look. just to follow up with... Um, <laughs> you weren't quick enough, Pete. You, no. said, you said I could jump in. <laughs> I jumped uh, in. And, and I only need that invitation just once. Uh, with, with the Indian Super League, uh, Jason Cummings, the current Joe Marsden medalist, yeah, right. has signed. As you're like, the guy was in the 2022 yeah. World Cup squad. He's gone. Yeah. So, again, that's... All about uh, the money. Yeah, well... You know, take it where you got it. Maybe Sorry, Pete. All it. right, no worries. So, are we also for for those of you that are, want to break from women's football and go back onto men's football at club mm-hmm. level? We had the Australia Cup kick off uh, last night. The Australia Cup proper, as we know, Glory went out four nil in the qualifying mm-hmm. round. So, yet again, uh, no Perth Glory in the comp. Uh, but we did have representation from one of the West Australian State League sides in the form of, sorry, uh, NPL sides, in the form of Inglewood United, who unfortunately copped an absolute hammering by Metro Stars uh, of South Australia. That was 5-0. Metro Stars, top of the league in South Australian Significantly powerful club there. Yeah, and, well, look, uh, it's got to be said, uh, the West Australian sides continue their woeful, absolutely woeful performance in that cup. Give us a stat, Pete. Uh, One win in nine seasons we've Ooh. had. That's that's all we've ever managed to achieve. And so props mm. to Sorrento for their, their win over Canberra. Uh, quick r- run through of the other results. Uh, Wellington Phoenix defeated Peninsula Power, although it did take them to extra time to get the uh, win. Uh, Sydney United, boo, um, <laughs> defeated Broadmeadow Magic 4-2. And Mount Druitt Rangers 3-1 over Canberra United. Uh, the competition continues on Wednesday night, Edgeworth against Western United. Uh, Gold Coast Knights versus Devonport City. So 
Um, and I, uh, and uh, sorry, and most importantly, I guess on the Wednesday night also is Florida Athena will be hosting Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, so my my comments about the woeful performance of West Australian clubs is intended more as a comment against other state league clubs. I don't think anyone would begrudge Florida Athena if they lost to Western Sydney Wanderers. Can I just ask that the little boo that you slipped in there? That's from the NSL days West, with Sydney United. Boo. Moving, moving forward, at some of the World Cup games, some of the fans were booing their own teams. Bad form, like really bad form really? to boo anyone, but when, just their own team. When was someone booing their yeah, own no, team? The when, Irish fans. No, well, no, I, I did mention the, the, uh, some of the Irish behaviour, and Pete and I were in the shed when it was happening that they did boo the, uh, the Canadian national anthem. I, I, I tapped a guy on the shoulder and said, that's not on, mate. Seriously? But uh, I didn't see... Too much of that. I mean, there was... No, there wasn't a lot of it, but there was some. And I just think that's really bad form for any of it to happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, mm. support your team and uh, when the other team score, you just uh, go to the bar. It's simple as. Yeah. Maybe that's why his glory fans are at the bar so often. <laughs> oh, Pete, come on now. Youch. Okay, any other local leagues that we need to... Oh, look, I don't think we've actually run through the uh, the NPL, so we'll, no. we'll give okay. a quick run through of the yep. uh, the the men's NPL. Um, so last week's results: Perth Glory had a three-all draw with Inglewood United. Um, so, you know, as as Blaine alluded to, stacking the squad uh, didn't actually get them the win. Uh, Perth Red Star four-one over Armadale. Coburn City and Olympic Kingsway played out a nil-all draw. Uh, Bayswater City four-three over Florida Athena. Perth SC one-nil away win over Florida Athena. Uh, I think I've said a name wrong there. Yeah, and, you got that one wrong. Yeah, then. sorry. Bayswater City, Balcata, Etna was 4-3. Thank you. And Sterling Macedonia and Sorrento played out a one-all draw. So Perth Red Star, three-point break at the top of the table, although with one extra match played as well. Uh, at the bottom end of the table, Armadale, who who sort of have plummeted down the table. They For a while there, they were sitting almost top four. Well, they um, just got rid of their coach I was going to say, yeah. Mm. Probably those two events are probably related yeah, to one another. So <laughs> Armadale, Floriot and Perth Glory all on 23 points and then Inglewood in last place on 20 points. So everyone who likes relegation battles, I think uh, keep an eye on that as well. And the standalone game today, Pete? I don't know what the standalone game is. It's Macedonia against um, yeah. Kingsway. Kingsway. Okay, there we yeah. go. It's Thank a catch-up game. Yeah, that's five o'clock this evening. Yep. All right. Get, so there's only one game in the NPL tonight, and that's it. Get yourself down there. There's similar, <clears throat> excuse me. There's similarities in the NPL men's and women's at the moment. Red Star sitting top of both oh. tables. Yep. Mm. Strong stuff, and Perth Soccer Club sitting in the top four of both tables, mm-hmm. and Balcata sitting in the top half of both tables. Mm. Six. I would call and five. Fifth, fifth out of eight, not half, the top midway, half. Midway? Midway? I'd call that the tables. bottom half, in oh, fact. Being really nice. Okay. Midway. She, she okay. inverted the league there. So yeah. 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 Did just a yeah, she's going, look, curtains, top of the table. <laughs> top of the second page. And the, um, the, the state, state Football Centre will be open for the cup finals in September, so keep an eye out for that. Okay. Mm. Look forward to visit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's opened up for the World Cup, closed up again, more to get done and open up for mm. the cup. Yeah, looking forward to that. Excellent. A lot. Yeah. It's looking pretty good. State Football Centre's looking good. It had some shifts out there. and Yeah, it's uh, technology and the structure is incredible. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, lots of room to grow too. When money grows, okay. then the facility will grow. Stage and maybe two, three, you're saying four. maybe Perth Glory oh, might have a bit of a footprint out there as well? Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah? Yeah. I think it uh, makes logical sense. It does. Yeah, yeah. 100% it does. Oh. <laughs> okay. Can we go to a break? Okay. We want to get Alana back on the line. 
This is the team on the World Football Program going to another break. Back soon. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. You said you wanted Sam Kerr and the Matildas to come to Perth, Western Australia, and the McGowan government has delivered. For the Matildas to come to Perth, and particularly for the first competitive game in its history, it's just an exciting opportunity for the local young female players to look up and aspire to what they might want to be. Australia will play against some of the top teams in Asia. We're playing Chinese Taipei, we'll play against Iran, and we'll also play against the Philippines. This is an important competition for the Matildas. It's a qualifying campaign. We need to win these matches in order to play in Paris in 2024. I'm looking forward to see the Matildas play in their backyard, especially Sam coming back home, playing in front of her family and friends. We've made this happen, actually. We're part of the legacy, part of Sam Kerr, (laughs) Lydia. (laughs) This will produce a festival of football. It's very exciting because we'll have overall six games of spectacular international women's football played across a week-long tournament between the 26th of October and the 1st of November. The World Football Programme is back. 107.9 FM. The team is in the studio. Penn, Pete, Hugh and Jim. And our guest on the line is Alana McTiernan. Good morning. Good afternoon, Alana. How are you? I'm fantastic, Penny. And hi to everyone. And um, I just, I'm sure everyone there is as excited as the Australian community generally about what's happening with uh, women, women's football. Yeah. And it's okay to get mixed up and say women's soccer? <laughs> we understand. Well, I just thought I'm on the show. I normally would say soccer, but, you know, I just wanted to prove that. You know, <laughs> I'm I say soccer as well. It's okay. Yeah, cool. It's, it's all right, right? Yeah, it's good. So being a fan, you, know, you must have a little bit more time, surely, to do the fan gig after the political gig is out of the way. So how much of a fan are you? What have you been doing to be a Matilda's fan? Well, I, I must admit, I went to a couple of games in Perth and they would uh, obviously watch the Matildas on TV, their first, uh, uh, their first two matches. And then I also saw the uh, uh, China versus uh, Denmark and the uh, Panama-Jamaica match. And it was just so exciting being there. And then when the Matildas got um, got through, I thought, I've just got to go to Melbourne. And I was trying everywhere to get tickets. And I'd sort of given up and we'd had a group of people coming around at 9.30 on Monday morning. 
I get a text saying, oh, we found a couple of tickets for you, right? Hang, hang on, who's so found a couple of tickets? So by 10 o'clock, sorry? Who's found a couple of tickets? I feel you might know people in places that we don't know. <laughs> well, they weren't, well, they were people, but um, anyhow, they were um, just people I know. Um, but anyhow, it was, so I got 9.30, 10 o'clock, I booked a flight on the plane by 12. And it was just fantastic. I complete, it was the most wonderful experience. And one of the things that I think is extraordinary, and I noticed this at the other matches as well, just how um, everyone is into it. And you get all these young guys that are, you know, mad Arsenal or Tottenham Spurs fans or whatever that have actually, you know, they know who all the players are. You know, they talk about them with all of the mm. seriousness. They do, you know, the guys' matches yeah. and are absolutely loving the women's game. And that's what I find the most exciting thing. Yes. It appeals to everyone, doesn't it? I'd like to know what the stats are of the crowd makeup, like boys, girls, men, women. It'd be really well, interesting. I reckon stat. it's pretty mixed. It's a bit like Australian Rules, which has always mm. had, um, you know, really strong uh, women uh, following, uh, female following. At this at these matches, you know, there's just huge many men as uh, as women in my well, just from my observation at the matches. Yeah. yeah, if you go to the local matches, as in A League women, when Perth Glory are playing at uh, Macedonia Park. Uh, I think in the beginning it was pretty much a female makeup. It would be the majority of the females. Yep. But as it progressed yep. and there was more crowd coming, there was young lads coming with their dads, yep. like not even yep. a girl in sight in the family yep. unit that was coming, which I thought was wonderful. I hope that translates to well, the next does. season. I, I'm taking on uh, that, that thought press. I've just gone to a, a website for the 2019 World Cup because obviously the uh, information is still being gathered for our World Cup. Yes. And the gender breakdown for the uh, World Cup in... Uh, France was 53% male and 47% female. Mm. Whereas yep. at the Men's World Cup in 2018 in Russia, it was 61% men and 39% women. Interesting. So it's really, um, it's changing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's sort of like, what in a, in a sense, it reminds me a bit of uh, the role of women's tennis. Like it's a slightly different game, but people enjoy it just as much. It's not seen in any sense as uh, a second rate or not as good. And I think that whole mood that's coming is just so um, attractive yeah. uh, for young women and women wanting to uh, play the sport. And it you know, gives you great heart um, for the future of our community to, to see um, both men and women really embrace this performance. Yep, and the, the, the more significant uh, gender breakdown of that, because they did it by confederation, the uh, Middle East and Africa had a 50-50 split between men and women for the World, Women's mm. World Cup, yet in the Men's World Cup in that same region, it was 63-37. So there was a, a, a very um, significant change of women watching the game mm. for the Women's World Cup. Yeah, yeah. It, it, well, it, it well is... that's good. And I look, and obviously there's big uh, progress being made. I think in African um, African nation, yeah. uh, nations about the participation in women, and you see in some countries, just even in in politics, you know, more and more women are uh, becoming prominent in the political world. So you know, uh, hopefully, 
the the football will um, help uh, push that um, uh, that opportunity for women uh, to perform in all parts of society. Alana, may I ask, do you think it could also be a, a, um, a thought process that because it's the Women's World Cup that women feel more safer in that crowd, whereas... A, a, a men's game, you've you got more blokey, more drinking, more sort mm. of that uh, that roguish um, element to a crowd, but a women's world well, cup would be I'd a bit have more to say, you, Well, if you, can, if you are contrasting, say, like a, something in Moscow and something in Australia, there, yeah. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> there might be an element in the, uh, in the geography. But I do, going back and talking about that other football, which maybe you're not supposed to, but <laughs> I think the extraordinary thing about Australian rules, unlike, say, soccer in England traditionally, that there has been as many women as men go to the games. It's always been something that women have been an integral part of going to the games, whereas, you know, I can remember back in the 80s and, you know, whether you went to um, uh, Gaelic football in uh, in Ireland or soccer in Leeds or whatever, the crowds would be mainly men. So I think Australia starts off with a different culture mm-hmm. too. Yep. Um and uh, that's probably an element of it. But, yes, I think you're probably right when you look at... But I think as time goes on and, and soccer who, hooliganism is being um, um, stamped out more rigorously, mm-hmm. uh, I think that will also change. Yeah, I think what's been interesting from my point of view as a volunteer is seeing the media makeup, how it's mostly men who are in the media... But if you talk about some of the countries uh, that haven't been at the World Cup before and the, their culture, um, they, they, you know, the, some of the questions being asked and, and some of the makeup from male to, to women, I'd like to know from different World Cups to the next World Cup how that is changing and how it's not about um, particular things, but it's more about the way that they play rather than yeah. them coming into the fore and them changing their culture and whether it's correct or not and in their country, like some of the questions that are being asked and, I don't know, it's just... Like, what, what sort of things are you talking about, Penny? Um, just how it's not part of their culture for a female to be doing some things, for mm. example, and how they articulate that and it, whether it's articulated from a male media or a female media. Like, those are kind of a, a challenging, difficult kind of space to, to be in because the country itself is, is changing in its female presence in this space. It's really interesting. Well, that's right. And, but, you know, like interestingly, a country like Haiti, for example, um, you know, there were women that were very prominent in the very formation of Haiti. So sometimes we, um, we presume that developing nations are, uh, are always less advanced in this area. And, but, and, you know, in African politics, there's been some, you know, and I think increasingly you see uh, very serious, female players on that, for, for example, in Rwanda, mm-hmm. we're di- diverging off here, but 64% of the members of parliament are actually women. So I think things are changing in Africa too, and uh, at least in a certain of these um, certain of these countries. But look, it's, uh, I think the thing we've all got to celebrate, and, and Penny, you were being someone like myself who's been, you know, was there back in the 70s and 80s. And by the way, I ran into a whole lot of Perth girls, including Jeanette Spencer, who nice. were mm-hmm. travelling around to follow the game. Former over president there. of women's soccer, WA. 
Absolutely, for a long-standing uh, player. But you, you know, remember the 70s and 80s when, you know, this thing wasn't taken at all seriously. And just to see now the, you know, the, and to be honest, that the standards of play uh, have in, improved so much and it's, it's such a fabulous and exciting game to watch and it's respected and enjoyed right across the community, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Do you know what, Alana, I take that on board and I think that, Back in the 70s, when worldwide women's football took off because there was bands in the 1922 to 1975 space, mm. women weren't able to play yep. football, soccer, uh, and then they couldn't, how it's become professionalised, in not just maybe monetized, but just how the standards and resources have increased. There were players that were absolutely fantastic back in the 70s. There are players that are absolutely fantastic now. The difference being is the environment, resources and platform that they are in and the recognition they receive is entirely different, and it's still changing. Mm. It's still so much, and it's much also the, opp- the opportunity to play at a high standard, yes. right? Like there's no doubt, and, and you know, so you know, fabulous players like Sandra Brentnell would probably be much better today than they were then because they would, you know, they had the um, the absolute talent, and they would have been performing at a high level because it's always when you're up against. Um, uh, when the competitive field is better, you um, you perform better. So there certainly were players there that would have, had they had the opportunity to consistently play at a high level, uh, they would have achieved magnificent things. Yes. Now, can I just ask, uh, you being the famous person that you are of great esteem, uh, were you sitting in the stands with the general population or did you get... I was, actually. And and I had expected that, you know, because these tickets were got at the last minute, that would be up in the gods, but they were actually good seats and it was fabulous being out there in Punterland um, <laughs> and just having enormous fun. There was these uh, young guys next to us who were, um, you know, just so rusted on soccer at every level and, as I said, like they were just one of the groups that were and it was just so interesting watching their excitement about the um, about the game. Alana, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. I am envious that you scored some tickets and I think, you know, most of Perth would be at this stage if they haven't got them. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Okay. Well, thanks, Penny, and thanks for all the fantastic work you've been doing uh, keeping the history of uh, of women's football and also being the great uh, promoter of this sport. And thanks, guys, for supporting it. Thank you. Thank thanks, you. Alana. Enjoy. Okay. See, See ya. Bye. Alana McTinnan, former politician and fangirl. Don't forget that the Fan Fest is happening in Perth, Forest Place, Chase, whatever, opposite yep. the Wellington train station Monday night. Been there more than a few times. It's, it's great fun. It really is. Yep. Uh, now, with the Women's World Cup this year, it will be the most attended and the most tickets sold, but they do temper that by going in 2019. It was a different format. So we had uh, 12 fewer games yeah. and um, eight fewer nations competing in the 2019 event. So obviously, because we've got that expansion, it was always going to be that. But that being said, again, Pete and I usually have a stat off. So here's the stat, Pete. In the... Uh, Qatar World Cup, 3.4 million people uh, at an average capacity of 96.3% attended. And at the moment, we're looking to get uh, the best part of 1.3 million at the Women's World Cup and an attendance of somewhere near about 86%. Okay. Are you talking 
the tickets. Okay, so they bought tickets and they'll actually attend yep. kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the, the, Pete and I have had this discussion more than a few times. The difference between buying a ticket and attending yeah. is the difference between a sellout and only 17,000 yeah. people in the crowd. Yeah, mm. okay. Um, FanFest, Monday night, first in, first serve. There's no cost. You no just, cost, no just cost. Be there. Just walk on in. If you do bring a bag, just make sure there's nothing uh, that you don't need to bring bringing in. So they'll uh, they'll check that. The friendly staff there, same uh, volunteers as, as Penn. I saw the lovely Liz Ray there for the uh, the Spain uh, Japan game, and she was so happy to see me because uh, you know I am a superstar. The, yeah. um, the there's <laughs> food food and merch being sold there, yes, and it is. Uh, yep. it'll be open right through to. Uh, August 20. Is it definitely open? Because I turned up for one of the Germany the games and it was closed and it was just looked terrible. Don't even bother going there. The, book t- the um, volunteers have booked a really? space. So it was so closed for there. one of the Germany Don't games. Forget and the- I wasn't the only person that walked up and went, oh. Yeah. Oh, and people walked away looking disappointed. Just, just You know when Australia playing, it will definitely Oh, yeah, yeah obviously open, for right? Australia. But Don't yeah. forget the exhibition at the State Library yep. for Game Changers and womensoccer.com.au is a new website live. You can find everything about FIFA, World Cup and whatever there. Thank you very much to Nick Templeman, yes, Miranda's dad. He's done an awesome job. You are a legend, Nick. Womensoccer.com.au. <laughs> We're going to go to a break and come back and have a chat. More football. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's, and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth. Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432-745-140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. We are one, but we are many, and from all the lands that we Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM on Radio Fremantle. The team is in the studio, Penny, Pete, Hugh and Jim. 
and our guest is Daniela Pocelli. Good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Thank good. you for joining us. Guten Tag. That was Hugh, by the way. (laughs) You'll probably hear him the most besides myself. (laughs) Give us a little bit of a a wrap on your role in this Women's World Cup, Daniela. So, yeah, uh, so I'm in Sydney at the moment, and I'm just waiting actually for the Switzerland Spain game uh, to start, which I think is starting soon. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we met each other in Perth, remember? Yes, indeed. Exactly. So from Perth, I went, yeah, went to New Zealand, covered a few games there, and actually, it has been super exciting because it's like uh, some games or some results are not the way we planned or we thought. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's the most exciting World Cup. Just in, just looking at um, teams coming up who actually don't even have funding to come to this World Cup and they're still upsetting some of the million, billion, um, like, you know, the, the, the federations have millions and billions. So it's kind of, like, interesting to see this World Cup, how it's going further. So that, that that's really great, actually, at the moment. Yes, yes, there's been upsets and there's been... For me, I have noticed that not as many goals are being scored as I would have expected, but I look at that and I think maybe the coaches have emphasised more of a defensive mindset and they're doing very well defensively um, and some of those new debutants, eight of the teams are debutants, are thinking, well, okay, we might not score many goals, but we won't concede many either. What, what are your observations there? Um, yeah, I think it really depends. Uh, on the game, you have a few teams who actually come to the game and they want to score goals, like Japan. They're just here to they play football and score goals. Um, then you have teams like, yeah, like like New Switzerland who just who didn't receive any goals, mm. but they also did score many goals. But which is another <laughs> problem. But I don't know, like uh, if it's the coaching or if it's just like. Like in general, I mean, the Germany South Korea game was shocking for me. Yep. So yeah. I had, not by the South Korea part, but like Germany, I've never ever seen them like this. I was like, what's going on? Is that like the fifth league team playing? So I don't know what the mentality is. Mm-hmm. And there is no excuse. Yes. Like whatever they find excuses for the next day, there is no excuse for the performance of you had a bad day. I'm like, yeah. no. This was. You cannot say that. Like, this is a World Cup. You cannot have a bad day against Colombia and South Korea and be out. This is where the amount of money and the experience comes into the coach and the team because if Alexandra uh, Pop was not performing, she would be taken off and another Pop would be put on that would perform, but she was performing and that must have been heartbreaking for her to receive player of the match and Mm. then the team not go through, so... You can understand she didn't want to be taking photos. And the same thing happened in Colombia, actually. Um, sorry, in Perth when Colombia played is the player... Um, Casado, Linda. Linda Casado. Did she get player of the match? Mm. Yep. So uh, I'm not sure it was her, actually. There was one player that didn't want to come uh, through in the media space because they lost the game. They got through, but they lost the game, so it was very disappointed. Mm. And you can understand, like, the emotions that are playing out when, uh, like you say, it's the end. You can't have a bad day, 
Um, but they actually had a bad day, Columbia, and they still got through. They finished yeah. in the top yeah. top two, so that's very good they for them. But top. yeah, yeah, they they did. So, what have you? What, what do you, as a photographer, travelling between the the states and the countries for this work? What do you notice about women's football in, say, comparison to other spaces of women's football that you've been in? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been like now mostly in, well, in Perth, the first game, but then I did like most games in New Zealand. And I mean, it's like, uh, yes, people say like, oh my God, there are like a lot of fans in the stadium and they're coming, but I don't have this feeling when I'm outside. Like there's, maybe yeah. it's just because, I don't know, I just see it this way, but when I'm in the city, there is no football. Yeah, like, yeah. Ah. When I was in Istanbul for the Champions League final, I saw more fans in the city walking around. Like every second corner, I had Italian, English speaking people. Oh, are you here for the Man City game? Oh, are you here for Inter yep. the final? Yes. There were thousands of people there in the city, and you knew there will be there's going to be a Champions League final. We are working on that as a nation. (laughs) (laughs) And in France, it was the same. Like, uh, in France, it was just, like, all the way around. I mean, not that big as in the men's game, but it was just here. I didn't get a feeling yet. I will have on Monday the Australia game. So I think before the game, there will be a lot going on. But it's just, like, city-wise, we're talking about, oh, what is the country and city? Is it like, I don't have this feeling yet. It's like... Yeah, you can see maybe football, soccer is not the most important thing. Do you think that's because as a nation we only have 100 years of football compared to how many other centuries of football in other countries or do you think there's something else? Because if you know the answer, you can tell us Hmm. and then we'll try and work on it for the whole country. Well, see, I think it's just like the market is different. Like, like uh, that's the general thing with women's football. It's like the people who love women's football are not the same as the people who love football in general. It's, it's like a different. It's like a minority, you know. Like it's not the same people. I mean, like Australia, apparently, Matilda sold more jerseys than the guys. Mm. So there is an attraction there. There is some demand, but I don't know if it's just because of the country, because you're not. Football fans, I don't know. It's or maybe because everything is spread out and long distances. Yeah, mm. long distances. I think for me, it's like the first World Cup. Well, this is my second World Cup in that case. I don't have a lot of experience, but it's the first World Cup. It's like so spread out, and you have like five hundred time zones. Like <laughs> 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 so I don't even know when the game sometimes starts, yeah. and it feels yeah. like spread out. That's actually a really good point about the time zones being very different. But that was similar in Brazil as well, because Brazil being a a bigger country than Australia also had time zone issues as well, where you'd you'd go, oh, the game's going to be starting, and oh no, that's two hours from now. You'd think, Mm. okay. Yeah, get it right, we'll Mm. miss it. Yeah. Mm. But but the thing with Brazil is like, you know, in Brazil, football is a religion. Correct. So so you get up, even if it's at three o'clock in the morning, like you, you... there is like football. People live for football. It's like the only thing existing. That's why you actually wake up in the morning and sleep because of football. So it is a little bit maybe the mentality, but I, I also think Australia did, also New Zealand, it tried really hard and it did really well in the last few years to make it a great experience for all the fans. But on the other hand, it's also like a lot of traveling fans couldn't come to this country because it's mm. expensive. 
a lot of photographers and journalists didn't come to this event because mm-hmm. it was expensive. That's not fault of Australia and New Zealand. I mean, that's just in general. Do you, um, do you think, Daniela, they didn't come because I'm thinking they didn't come is because personally they were not acting for an organisation because if the organisation was a commercial, fully professional organisation, then they would consider this as a World Cup worthwhile to send uh, staff to it to cover it because it's a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, when I see now from a photographer perspective, the, the people are here... Um, the majority is like big agencies. They want to have to cover it. They have to put the money in and send the people here. So they're all here, but they're all paid. So like everything yep. is paid. So they don't mind that they're like here. Yes. But like freelance, I'm a freelancer, and they're less, less, less freelancer. It's incredible. Like like that's like 20, 20 photographers per game, or not even thirty. And in France, we were like eighty, ninety, and hundred. Mm. Because the freelancer, the one who have to put the money in like me. I had to put all the money before, came here, and I hope I will make a return, yep. which could be I make a loss. That, that, and, and many people said to me, like, Daniel, I'm not going to do that. I, I don't want to risk making a loss of like 5,000 euros or more, mm. or 10,000, and then I don't know if I earn it. But that's like maybe an issue with like the media, people, where we could have solved it in another way, like make it cheaper for us or better that we all come and the media coverage is bigger, you know? Yeah, I think we saw a similar uh, situation with South Africa as well, but the good news with the South African World Cup was it was on the same timelines as Europe, so yeah. there wasn't the time frame issues of watching the game, but the distance of getting to South Africa was an issue. I'm, I'm also a little bit worried that the, um, the upcoming... Uh, triple host of USA, Canada and Mexico mm. for the next World Cup could also be equally problematic because you've got now three nations. You've got three borders that you have to cross and you're not going to... I mean, the Americans have a huge population so there won't be a, a, too much of an issue of crowds turning up for games. It'd be more the international factor of people being able to freely go from Canada to Mexico and then back into the USA. Mm. And resourcing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. What do you What do you think? Will, will you be travelling to the next World Cup? Um, yeah, so the, like this triple World Cup, I for sure will apply, and I still don't know how I plan it. As you yeah. actually said, or the things that you gave, that's exactly problematic. Like, I mean, well, it depends who you work for. If you're a freelancer, yes. then you say like, okay, maybe I have different clients, but then you have to travel around. Like, like this works, I had to go to New Zealand and back and forth and because I had different clients. So it's, um, if you just say, like, I go to one location, stay there, but then you don't have enough games. You know, they're like nothing in between. Then you have, like, three days where you do nothing. Mm-hmm. It, you cannot be a month in a country and just have, like, five or six games. I mean, you need mm-hmm. to make the money somehow. I suppose... So, I suppose from the country that's hosting that, then that they would love that to happen across three different countries and to bring the football or soccer to the areas that it doesn't normally get to so that it gives the exposure and there's the legacy that FIFA want to leave. They want to present it to more. Yeah, but that's likely not to happen because, again, as we saw with the 1994 World Cup, they, they got the biggest stadiums available. So they are in major cities mm. in major stadiums. So there won't be that legacy factor as as big as it would be. Although, that being said, the 94 uh, World Cup legacy is the MLS and the W. Uh, 
MLS. So the factor of, of legacy of stadiums, infrastructure and that sort of thing was less of an impact in America, but the, the, the factor of the groundbreaking work of getting the MLS up and running was huge. So it's likely to be the same for the for this upcoming World Cup. It won't be two smaller cities. They're, mm. they're going to the they're going to the big stadiums again. Yep, Daniela. Before we let you go, I did want to ask what your tip is for the final. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> now, it's just, now it's just not possible to say anything anymore because my like I thought like Germany would win the final. <laughs> yeah. So, so did we? Yes. <laughs> yep. So now I'm just going well. The, Final is going to be. Um, I don't know if it goes with the brackets because I'm I'm really bad with this bracket. Who is playing against you, who? So I should say Jamaica against Switzerland. So hang on, who Jamaica did you say? Say Jamaica against Switzerland in the final. Jam- that would be an what? amazing final. <laughs> <laughs> Far I'm out. Even goals, you know. Like I'm, I'm obviously in two three hours. I will see if I'm right. If Switzerland is out, I have to change my position. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you, you might change yeah. it after the next couple of games too, but we've got it locked in. That's your tip, all right? I remind you when the final. Against um, I don't know if it works out with uh, you know going. Yeah, like, it does. Know, I've just I've got the yeah. bracket in front of me. It works out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Let's do that. And Switzerland wins the World Cup, and we are all happy. <laughs> <laughs> good one, Daniela. Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been great having a chat to you, and I'm glad you visited Perth, and you've. Um, been right around the country now, and uh, I hope you keep covering women's soccer. Well done. All, all the time. Thank you so much for having me, and yeah, let's keep in touch. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bis bald. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> for those that don't hablo espanol, that was uh, see you later. Bis bald in German. That was Daniela Portelli, who is a photo- international photographer from Switzerland, covering the Women's World Cup for multiple um, commercial operators, and uh, yeah, we'll travel to the next one. Has been to the last one, and that's pretty cool. Yep. What she was, what she was saying about Germany having been eliminated. Uh, Germany's my second team for family reasons, and it's always been a case of once Australia's out or fail to qualify, Germany's my team. Now with this World Cup and the last <laughs> men's one as well, and Australia going further. It feels like riding your bike without training wheels because I'm still on the Australia bandwagon, but I've got no backup, you know, if and when we go out. And that is the first time in German history that both men and women fail to get out of the group stage. Yeah. It's, it's seismic. That, and, and we it, it saw was, the Asian champions in, in China, they're out. The uh, Olympic world uh, gold medalists, they're out. Yep. Two-time Germans, they're out. It's crazy stuff. We're going to a break, guys, and we'll come back and chat with Tom Samani. This is Penn and the team. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. I want to succeed so badly because we have such a great team and the fans, I think that we owe everyone around us something. 
everyone is bought in. I think the togetherness within the squad is huge and it just makes you want to put everything on the field when you know someone's put in a big tackle and you're like, I want to put in a, a tackle like that and I want to play for her and I want to win for this club and this, these fans. This team is special. This team is ruthless. This team is family. This team gives everything for one another. And this team, no matter what, will show you heart and passion every day we get on the field. Welcome back to the World Football Program. I love that promo. It's the Orlando Pride promo from 2017. Tom, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. We've got myself, Penny, Pete, Hugh and Jim in the studio. We couldn't keep anyone out today. Well, they tried. I just bashed down the door. <laughs> <laughs> no one lucky is that. <laughs> yeah, for all the listeners. Tom, how did you find your World Cup experience, mate? Well, up until the last game, yeah. it was really nice. <laughs> um, we knew we were in a tough group. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew the games were going to be difficult. Uh, we were quite happy on four points after the first two games and didn't uh, and just didn't show up for the the game inexplicably. Um, so, which we're still all kind of um, stunned about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Us over here in Australia, well, I mean, here in Australia, you probably, are you still in, in the country, Tom? Or? Yes, I'm back in Sydney. Yeah, okay. We were equally stunned with that result. I mean, we were hoping for a positive result, but uh, the performance was ridiculous. Which of the games did you think Canada um, had the the hardest time? Was it the, the opening game against Nigeria? <laughs> Um, that that was a tough game. They were all difficult, yep. to be honest. Um, you know the 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 first game against Nigeria, and, and you've seen, you know how good Nigeria are. Yeah, was always going to be hard. You know, physically they're good. They'll do kind of unexpected things. Um, they'll play. They'll kind of just play football. You know the the the, <laughs> the thing I love about the African countries is that they go back to the day when. The game was a little bit less structured, yeah, yeah. and mm. um, and and they've got great individual players, so they'll do stuff that you just don't expect. They'll just play football like you might play it when you played in the schoolyard, yeah. um, and I think that's you know I think that brings a real freshness and and energy to the game. So, so they were good. Ireland, we knew. I mean, Ireland almost got a result against the, the Aussies in the first game, and um, and they were well on top of us over in Perth in the second game for the first half and mm-hmm. you know I think the goal we got just before half time turned the game for us and probably the second half against Ireland was our, our best sort of half yep. in the in the in the World Cup I think that another I like your comment about it brings a freshness to the the playing field it also brings in more people more of the community more of the world to watching it because there's another eight flavours of football that have been added into 32, which is pretty outstanding. What's that, a quarter of the World Cup that's got debutants and we haven't seen a lot of them play before and they haven't played at um, similar levels to this before. Tom, what have you noticed about the World Cup 
in terms of their style of play or the coaching or anything? What have you noticed that might be a little bit different to previous World Cups? Well, I think that, again, it's taken a huge step forward. I think that's the first thing. The, the quality of the games in the technical sense are, uh, have, have gone leaps and bounds even over the last four years. Mm. So there's less um, the depth in the, in the quality in the teams has increased. You know, there's no <coughs> there's no longer many teams that have you know maybe six or seven really good players and three or four weak players. Yeah. The, the, across the board, players generally are, are, are better. Um, the the rise of nations that we wouldn't have thought about being competitive are have been really competitive in this, and I think that's down to. Uh, partly down to some investment from from FIFA and from the, the countries, but I think it's also the way the game's gone globally at club level is that now players from you know the Nigerian players, most of them they'll play all over the world. You know, um, yeah. players from Haiti will play mm-hmm. all all over the world in some of the top clubs. So we're beginning to see that sort of situation in the women's game where the quality of players all round are, are much better. Um, I think the standard of goalkeeping has jumped up. Yes. You know. Um, much more consistent. I think the Korean goalkeeper sort of threw oh, yeah. one in, but apart from that, I think um, generally the standard of goalkeeping has improved. Um, so, you know, it's just been, and obviously there's been some significant upsets, which yes. is just amazing in women's football. So let's do a little oh. bit of a round robin, okay? Yep. Uh, me first, me first. Uh, me, me. What was your biggest upset, Tom? Oh, come on. <laughs> the biggest upset is Germany. Mm. Yeah. Which, which result? Because I thought the 6 0 they started with against Morocco. I thought that was a bit of an upset <laughs> because they yeah. absolutely dominated that game. And I thought yeah. well, I expected a little bit more from Morocco. And as it turned out, I was right. And, and the Germans basically <laughs> flattered to deceive. Yeah. And, well, I think, you know, you look at. <clears throat> I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't see that game, to be honest, but, you know, you look at Morocco coming into the World Cup for the first time, playing against the second-best country yeah. in mm. the world, ready to go. So, you know, that's, you, sorry, I'm, I'll just read that. One of my biggest fears at this World Cup is that there were going to be two or three or four yeah. really blowout mm. scores. Yes. And, and there really hasn't been. So, that, mm. that for me, that's, that's been fantastic. But I think, you know, then Morocco probably after the first game sort of settled in a little bit and... Um, and obviously, I've <laughs> done very well since then. But Germany, uh, yeah, but both of those games, to look, you know, um, the Korea came off two really bad games. Mm. So when when you look at a German team going up against Korea in the last game, who had really done nothing in the tournament, um, that that result was a shock. I mean, I I was kind of reluctant to even watch that game because I thought <laughs> it's not going to be worth watching, <laughs> um, and I turned out to be very wrong. So I think I think that game and and the other thing, <laughs> getting on my coach's hat when when Colombia scored the second goal, I think they had about three maybe four players in the box and Germany had five players standing along the six yard line marking yeah. nobody yeah. Mm. and they just hit across and the girls headed a free header from eight yards and so things like that I don't expect you expect more from the the German players even just out on the field at that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a really that was the, the biggest shock, um, and I think you know Brazil was obviously a shock because oh, yeah. they started mm-hmm. their, their first game was 
they played like Brazil. Yes, they <laughs> <laughs> um, And you thought, well, and, and we've played, with Canada, we've played Brazil three times over the last year. Um, and they're a good side. They, they're, a, they're a good team. And they were kind of one of the ones that I didn't think would win the World Cup, but they're sort of a dark horse who have they got if they got the right run, could certainly go deep into the tournament. Tom, what do you think about goals being scored? Do you have a goal that you thought, that's equal to mm. anything up there? Um, the, the Olympic there's been a couple. There's been a couple. The, 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 young, the young Colombian girl um, goal yeah. against Germany yeah. was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, it was like just real real high quality you know in the box it was tight lots of German defenders she's given herself half a yard and she's put it in the top corner that was that was real quality Um, another one the um, uh, now I'm forgetting (laughs) I'm forgetting games to be honest the the Panama when you're in the tournament when you're in the tournament you don't get a chance to see a lot of the games (laughs) you're actually quite busy Um, um, in doing things, but the other one, the Argentinian girl scored a belter against um, the two each game. They, oh. they came back from two 0 down yeah. and drew two each for somebody. I can't remember who it was. Uh, Bruno she, Nunes buried one from about twenty odd yards in the I, top I, I, corner. Was against South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Can I? Can I? Just, South Africa. Yeah. About a special Lauren James. Anything that Lauren James scores seems to be yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> spot the palm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. Yeah. I don't talk about the English. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The, um, yeah. yeah. But the, the other one was the Brazilian goal against pa- Panama. Yeah. The one that the the back heel. Oh one, yeah. With a little yeah. bit of mm. magic in the side, clipped it in, and the little sort of back heel one tucked in the top corner. And like, that, that was a real, yeah, class goal. And she was on a hat-trick there and, and mm. could quite easily have just gone side foot, there, there's my hat-trick, and went, no, no, I'll, uh, I'll do something very Brazilian, backheel it, and the keeper's gone, oh, crap, and, yeah, that was a cracker <laughs> of a goal. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm liking the, the Panama the versus Panama France kick, goal, yeah. the first goal that oh, Panama that scored. Yep. It was top I've class. I've told about it. I've missed, I missed that one. Just watch it. It's just uh, like yeah. Beckham, yeah. Ronaldo, nice. 90 seconds in. I'll leave it here, ladies. I've got this one. <laughs> Bang. There's no yeah. kid in the world, man or woman, was going to save that one. It was yeah. a cracker. She was so emotional yeah. about it. I love that too. It was the first ever goal. No, yeah. and, and for Panama to score three goals against France, yep. I mean, mm. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was very cool. So um, we're into the finals now. So fin- yes. finished with uh, all the qualifiers into the round of 16. I shouldn't say finals. Round of 16. Um, in mouth-watering games coming up. Um, fixtures coming up at the moment. Round of 16. Yep. Uh, Switzerland and, and Spain. Spain. That's right. And the, uh, the Japan... Um, Norway. Norway game. Yep. yep. Netherlands and South Africa. Sweden and USA. Australia playing Denmark. France playing Morocco. England are playing Nigeria and Colombia are playing Jamaica. What's your tips, Tom? Oh, I've been rubbish so far because I did want to start with something and most of my teams are out. Um, <clears throat> Expect the unexpected so, in this tournament? Yes, I think... Um, you, you want me to go through all of them? No, I do not. Just me uh, tell, me, tell, tell me who you think is going to get into the last four. Like just okay. take a punt. I, but I don't know if they play each other. They don't play each other. I think yeah. Japan. Hugh will work it out. Yep. J- Japan. I think Japan. 
I think it's Norway. I think Japan will win that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Um, so to, I make think the will win. to make the same as Japan will play either Sweden or the USA. Oh, that's <laughs> hard because I think those are potential winners. So I think the winner against the winner of the US Sweden game would be my favourite. Japan would be my second favourite. Yep. Um, and then. Um, Australia? No, I, think, France, I think England, England Australia could go... France, I'm never sure about France, to yep. be honest. If the results so, go the way they should, France will play Australia in the round of 16, so and there's a couple in the studio... In the quarterfinals. Got, in the quarter. Quarterfinal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a few in the studio that have got France winning that one, and there's a few that are going to not be on the show ever again, so yeah. I'm not Australia <laughs> winning that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see... I, you know, I... I I just don't know about France. I think they've got, I think they've got the talent, mm-hmm. um, but they, they just don't. They, they just seem to lack something. Um, a bit of cohesion, a bit of team spirit. You think cohesion, ruthlessness, yeah, uh, being too open. Yeah. Um, I, I, it- I, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but they just, they, they just seem to, and, and it's kind of it's. It's been habitual, you know. If you look back through yeah, yeah. lots of major tournaments, I remember them in the Euros in two thousand and thirteen. In the first game, or second game they played, they, they played England and beat them three 0 and they were unbelievable. And then, and a random team knocked them out in the, the quarterfinals. I forget who, you know, it was like a an Iceland or something like that knocked them out in the, the quarterfinals. Um, and and they're just prone to doing that. Let's, if they turn up, they could win it. If they decide to turn up every game, let's talk about the Matildas. And I don't know if we're going to use the word inconsistent to this point, yeah. um, but we've got a few items in our back pocket. Tom, Kai Simon might be one of them. Sam mm-hmm. Kerr might be another one. Um, don't you look like that under she, that cap? I saw that. She is uh, at training uh, today, not in boots. Yeah. And on a uh, a training bike, so she's not done any running at all. So I've I've got some doubts that she's actually going to make the uh, the, the field again. If she's not going to make the field for the next one, that could impact us going through. I think she's what we need to pull out of the back pocket. In, I, in I, the I think without Sam, we can beat Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, definitely. I, I feel definitely. at times there's too much emphasis put on Sam Kerr. She's I, a great player. I, Don't get me wrong, but I agree, all but of the players play, are playing at the top yeah, but level. Okay, let's, let's look at Germany, right, with uh, right. Pop, okay? But it was Pop, 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 Pop. They, they <laughs> kept putting the balls over, right? The, the supply was great. And she was the only one I could see that was really of emphasis in the games. If they had more players coming from midfield that would do the job, I think they might have gone through. Mm. They had the supply. Okay, so we've got... A good enough squad at the moment. We've proven we can do well, but do we need to pull out something else to get to the next level? Possibly we do at this point. And is that a three-quarter Sam Kerr? Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, I, reckon well, it, I reckon it's a, we need a goal with 10 minutes to go, Sam thank, Kerr. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah 100%. Style. Pull it out of the back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely but do it. Hopefully That's we, shouldn't, we get out of it. shouldn't, against Denmark, no. be at the point where it's yeah. 10 minutes to go and we need yep. a goal. No. And, yep. so, and then you get that extra few yeah. days for the quarterfinals. Yeah. Where yes, 100%. Tom, of healing and a bit more yeah. fitness gain. What's yep. your assessment of the, uh, the, the starting front two for, uh, for Australia? Uh, I think Fowler uh, is going to benefit from the goal that she scored. And Caitlin Ford still yet to, to hit 100%? Yeah, but she's still 
a very critical player. Oh yeah, Caitlin. I think she's, um, you know, she's. If anything, her form just generally in the national team has been outstanding yes. over the the, the the past little period. So, and probably probably played better than you know if you look player for player, probably actually been had a, a bigger impact in games than, than than Sam's had. So she she's critical in her. You know, with her ability to dribble and her pace and her physical qualities, and um, I think she's a, a key player. And then you've got the pace of Razzle, who's yeah, mm. obviously yeah. very confident and playing well. Uh, I think, form. like you say, that and and it, it worked well against us. But I don't know if you know having Emily and um, and Mary Fowler as a front two. Um, I don't know if that will, would be continued to be as effective as it was against us. I agree. Um, just for everyone. Uh, I was going to say, you were asking earlier about upsets, and there was one that really leapt out at me because it's not one you'd normally think would be an upset. But uh, in Group in group C, uh, Spain smashed Costa Rica, yeah. and then they smashed Zambia. And on the other hand, Japan smashed Zambia, and then they beat Costa Rica. And so they, Spain and Japan played the last game, and you sort of thought, all right, this will be, you know, to determine... Who who finishes top and Sp- uh, Japan just absolutely belted Spain four oh, nil. It was, it was yeah. not what you would have expected. Well, what I would have expected at all. You know, I thought maybe a one nil or a two one. You know, one way or the other. But four uh, nil. It's I think Japan sent out a bit of a warning with that game. Oh yeah, yeah. So there was eight debutants. Yep. There's uh, Philippines are going home. Panama's going home. Uh, Vietnam and Portugal are going home. I think that was it. Zambia. Oh, and Haiti and Haiti. Uh, and Zambia. And Zambia. Zambia. Okay, so who's going through other debutants? Jamaica. No, and Morocco. Jamaica, Jamaica have been there. Morocco oh, okay. is the only debutant, okay. I think. Yep. I could be... Uh, and I think that those are the first debutants to go through... For the group stage, yeah. Yeah. Well, apart from the, the first one, obviously. Since 1991. <laughs> yeah, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you yeah. go. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure how Morocco are, are going to do the... Round of 16 games start today, by yep. the way, and you can catch them on uh, hmm, well, Optus. Channel 7, Optus, <laughs> the Fan Fest, and uh, go, go to your usual platforms out, out there, womensoccer.com.au and the FIFA sites. There's a, a lot of good uh, FIFA sites mm. out there, um, and social platforms generally are, are sharing all the information. Um, we've just got a couple of minutes. Um, we'll quite try and squeeze whatever we can in. Uh, Tom, where are you going after the World Cup finishes? you back to Western Sydney Wanderers? Yeah, I'll be back out west. Um, getting the help can't hopefully get ready for a successful W League ahead yep mm-hmm. wonderful alright great so you're still in Australia so we can still give you a call and uh, have a chat still here excellent still here. good <laughs> on you Tom no oh, intention of moving hopefully at the moment <laughs> good one well, you can uh, dedicate to us for the rest of your life then <laughs> good on you Tom thanks for joining us appreciate that and uh, loving your work in football no, thank you for the call. Really appreciate being on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Enjoy Thanks, it all, Tom. Tom. See ya. See ya. Tom Samani, former national coach, uh, now working with West Sydney Wanderers and Canadian team and all that other kind of stuff. What else can we fit in in the next couple of minutes before Lynn and Bags Groove comes up, guys? Anything we can squeeze in? I've got nothing. Nothing? Oh, I've what? Nothing. No, I no, saw, no. saw Gianni Infantino. Oh. There was a quote for him saying, you know, football will definitely become oh, the number yeah, one sport in yeah, Australia, yeah. which I do not like hearing because uh, it's the sort of thing that's going to get thrown fluff. back it's in our faces. Guff, right? Yeah, every every time uh, the AFL gets yeah, 100,000, they're going to go, yeah. So, um, 
I mean, and and look, it's going to grow, and I want it to grow, but I don't even know that the number one spot. I don't care about that. If if you know, we can we can coexist. Dare I say? I'd much rather that man not give lip service. Yeah, I, I really yeah. would. I mean, just, just just call a shovel a shovel. You know, I can call it a digging utensil, but it's still a shovel. I mean, he knows that is just barefaced lying. There's okay. no way. And, and as much as I would love it, like you said, Pete, as much as we would, uh, this and you lovely listeners would, would love going red. that yeah. this sport becomes the greatest sport as we know it to Organic. be around the world here in Australia, it's not going to happen because yeah. one of the host broadcasters has a f- finger in the other pie and is making sure one of the pies goes cold while the other one stares red hot pies. This has been the team signing out. Penn, Pete, Hugh and Jim in the studio. Next up is Len and the Jazz Show Bags Groove. This has been us talking football for the last couple of hours on Radio Fremantle World Football Program. Go the Matildas. Go Tillies. Oh, I said it. Sorry, Pete. (laughs) 